Hi, this is Candace Crane, General Manager of Sheridan Hunt and Power Sports. And this is I Want to Do That, Women Helping Women Explore the Outdoors. And today I'm talking to a fellow Wyomingite, Tana Hoffman-Cook, about snowmobiling. So, Tana, welcome. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. It's my favorite topic to talk about. Well, that's uh, interesting because I was looking at your Instagram page and you have like every single hobby under the sun. I thought I was a crazy person having a lot of hobbies and you have like um, done like even more than what I'm doing. So I can't wait to get in and and learn a little bit more about you. But so Tana, I reached out to you because you're going to be conducting a women's snowmobiling clinic here in the Bighorn Mountains in February. February, I think, is it 17th or? Actually, it's um, in early January and I'm co-hosting it with Sled Wyoming. Oh, early January. Okay, great. That's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Sled Wyoming is a um, rental uh, snowmobiling company here in Sheridan. They also, um, we sell VR pre-product or uh, Skidoo's and, and they rent Skidoo's. So definitely check them out here if you're local. Um, so yeah, that's why I reached out to you because I saw that you were hosting this clinic and I thought, well, this would be a fantastic guest to talk about snowmobiling. Um, but tell us, tell me a little bit more about you. Obviously, we haven't met in person. We're doing this virtually. So uh, you've got some exciting things in your background. Tell me a little bit more about what you're up to. Yeah, uh, I'll try to keep it short, but uh, I am originally from the East Coast, uh, from up in New Hampshire, and I have spent the past 20 years working in the outdoor industry um, in everything from retail to ski resorts and hospitality uh, and production. Um, and that has taken me to some of the best ski towns uh, in the U.S. and beyond. And I moved to Jackson about 10 years ago. I've been here uh, down in Alpine, so down in Star Valley, a little south of Jackson, um, and I fell in love with snowmobiling, to keep it on topic, uh, about eight years ago, and uh, yeah, excited to chat more about it. So you were skiing, I think, before you were snowmobiling, correct? Yeah, I started out skiing when I was very young. My, my family loved to do ski vacations, um, and then switched over to snowboarding when I was about 16, um, and got into backcountry when I lived in Colorado back in 2008-2009. And yeah, it just kind of progressed from there. You know, I think a lot of people get into snowmobiling as an opportunity to get more access on their skis and snowboards. And what you may not realize if that describes why you want to get into snowmobiling is that you will start leaving your gear behind more and more. (laughs) And one day you'll be like, wait, who am I? (laughs) I'm not a skier, I'm just a snowmobile. (laughs) Well, before we jump into that, I also want to just touch on you um, are also passionate about connecting women into the outdoors. Obviously, that's part a big part of the reason why I started this podcast was I grew up in the Midwest and I did not have access to um, a lot of things that I have access to now living in the Mountain West. And what I found when I moved here a couple of years ago is that I kept saying, I want to do this or I want to do that or I want to do that because I'd never really experienced it before. And as a woman, it can feel sometimes very intimidating to try to get into something new, especially if it's a group of men. And I think this particular topic in general, um, I still struggle with feelings of like inadequacy and, and intimidation. And I sell the product, you know, but I'm just learning how to learning how to use the product. Um, but so you have started an organization that is helping women connect with other women outdoors. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, my background, as I mentioned, I've been in the outdoor industry for a really long time since I was in my teens. And, you know, it's traditionally a very male-dominated space. Um, that has changed a lot over the past couple of decades, um, but we still have a long way to go. And I just found that, you know, wherever I was working and whatever I was doing, I was always drawn to kind of these female-focused spaces and trying to c- create those opportunities, um, even just from a 
a personal perspective and, you know, build women around me. And I feel like it's taken me 30 years to actually build a community of women around myself that do all the things I love to do and make me feel really supported and really confident in the outdoors. Um, I think that we do that for each other. And so, you know, I've been looking for ways to bring women focused um, or a women specific community to these uh, sports arenas over the years. And for a while, it was through e-commerce. I had a, um, a equipment rental program that turned into a retail shop just for women in the outdoors. And yes, now I am running a online community um, and a real life adventure collective called Illa. Uh, it was started about two years ago, and it's primarily our primary product is an app. Uh, we'll be in the app store uh, later this month or next month. But yes, I'm trying to actually make technology work for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, just make it easier for women like myself and yourself to find each other at home and when we travel. Yeah, I loved it. I actually signed up for it prior to the podcast. And I loved that it asked me so many different questions about my interests. And there was just a huge variety of interests, some of which I found myself saying, you know, I've never done this, but I'm a first timer and I'm, I, I want to learn and others want other interests I was, um, you know, feeling a bit more experienced on and was willing to teach. But I think it's just a fantastic concept to help women align um, around our passion for the outdoors and specifically to help guiding us when we're trying to start something new, like, for example, snowmobiling. I mean, this is a it's a it's a very male dominated sport. It's a heavy machine. Um, it can it can seem very intimidating. So tell me about like you obviously kind of got into it. You said vis a vis skiing and kind of and uh, snowboarding. But what what how did you decide? You know what I I really want to make this a sport and 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 dedicate time to this hobby. Yeah, uh, I think you know you mentioned a lot of the barriers to snowmobiling. Another one is it's very financially. Um, you know, <laughs> That's a big goal. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, like many of these sports, especially in power sports, a lot of them not only take commitment to, I want to learn this, but they often take a really big investment. Um, and I think one of the best ways to kind of break down that particular barrier is to connect women with potential mentors, um, and people that might have the opportunity to give them a taste, um, and kind of show them the ropes before they have to go and spend a thousand dollars on a rental and a clinic. Uh, so for me, I was extremely lucky. I was living in Tahoe. And my roommate out there, she uh, it was it was a very short roommate situation. I moved in and they moved out. Um, and she and her husband at the time were moving up to Alaska to take a job, and we just really clicked. And so, you know, that first winter, she invited me up to visit her in Alaska. And so I came up there as the you know budding backcountry snowboarder. And she said, "Oh, don't worry, we have sleds. You know, we'll you know just come up and hang out with us." So I, I realized what an amazing opportunity that was, and that's not necessarily something that falls in people's laps. But really, yeah. what came out of that was you know um, being able to see these machines and what they can accomplish and the places they can take you uh, right away. So seeing just what makes them so special, and then being able to experience that from the perspective of another of another woman. Mm -hmm. um, and having her be able to kind of show me the ropes uh, really gave me the confidence after going up there for a few seasons of saying, okay, I can do this. I still need somebody to go with because snowmobiling is not the kind of sport that you can start on your own. Um, but it gave me the confidence to reach out to some friends that I knew in the area and say, you know, I know that I'm, I'm new and I'm not going to come out on every ride, but, you know, can you make it worth it for me to invest in this machine if, if I really make the effort to go out and, and try to learn and try to, you know, be a responsible writer. Um, so it was a combination of things, but it was really having somebody extend the invitation was 
you know, absolutely the reason that I was able to get into this sport in the first place. And I think with the rise of women um, who are getting into this sport um, and the accessibility to the machines and, you know, rental companies like SledYO, um, I think that there are a lot more opportunities for women to, um, you know, plug in those communities where they can kind of get that invitation. Yeah. And then you mentioned um, the woman that brought you in, how it's nice to have another woman that you're riding with. And I know one of my colleagues, and I had a similar experience, but she had a pretty extreme experience where she started riding with her her boyfriend and, and some of his friends. And it almost ruined the sport for her initially, because the way that they rode was very aggressive, which she's, you know, she she's learned to be a more aggressive rider. But those first few of really that first that first season out, she was just getting acclimated to a machine. And it was actually a much older machine than what they were riding on as well. So it was like, hey, you're new. You know, you're not sure if you like the sport or not. So here's this 12 year old machine that doesn't perform the way that our newer machines do. And then we're going to go out and ride really aggressively. And, and it almost, you know, caused her to say, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Thankfully, yeah. the following year, she decided to try out some newer machines and eventually, like similar to you, invested in one. And it's completely changed her experience. But, um, you know, I think that that, that first, time out or the first few times out, if you don't have that mentor or guide that really um, can understand the level that you're at and, and, and just acknowledge and honor the comfort level that you have to be able to enjoy the experience, it's easy to say, I don't, you know, between the cold and getting stuck and just the heaviness of the machine, like to say, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, you never do it again. So um, I appreciate, you know, you bringing that up and, and, and emphasizing how we as women can really encourage other women as well. Um, so, you know, you, you obviously have all these hobbies and, and why is it that you decided snowmobiling of all the hobbies that you have is something that you really want to dedicate time and, and effort into? Well, I think it actually comes back to that investment piece that I was talking about. <laughs> when you spend that amount of money on a machine, and there are ways to not spend that amount of money when you're getting into it, um, if you're kind of testing the waters. But if you decide that, you know, you want to get into a sport that takes as much, um, you know, time and training as something like snowmobiling is, um, I think that you really have to be ready to commit time um, to making it worth it. Um, you know, I've, I've had people ask, you know, oh, okay, you know, or or make the, um, I guess the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, knowing that there there is a big cost investment, um, but the way that I've explained it to a lot of individuals who are you know looking at the investment that it requires, um, the way that it works for me is I really don't get out to the ski resort very much anymore. You know, even when I had access to a pass, I was going out three or four days just because I got accustomed to a different activity and riding with different people and going in different places. Um, and now the way that I look at the investment in my sled is you know when I go through um, a dealership and I do a loan and I'm paying a monthly payment and I use it for three years and then I sell it. Uh, I look at the amount of money that I spent over those three years and it really isn't that much different than buying a pass to Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. Um, not to say that it's a cheap uh, activity because it is not, um, but you know it's just something that when you prioritize it, you know um, it it really makes it worth it and it makes me feel like you know it's worth every penny because it's what brings me joy for four, sometimes five months out of the year. 
um, and what allows me to really unplug from the stresses of daily life. And um, it's just become the thing that really allows me to enjoy my winters. And to me, finding that balance is is really worth the cost. I, I totally agree. And I, I love how you put that. So what do you ride when you, you made an investment recently? What do you ride? So right now um, I'm on a Gen 4. It's a 2021 165 Turbo. Um, and I'm very excited to get onto the Gen 5, but I'm on a three-year plan for my, yes. <laughs> for my so I'll wait until they get all the bugs worked out and then I'll, then I'll get the new chassis. Um, but, uh, yeah, my first sled, uh, 2015 Summit X, um, I had a 54, then I had a, a Summit X, uh, uh, 165. Um, and yeah, so this is the, the third sled that I've purchased and, um, looking forward to going back to a shorter track again next year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've just, I've always been on Skidoo. So funny. I've tried switching with some of my friends who ride Polaris and we both are like toddlers. Like we can't stay upright. So <laughs> I had the same experience. Yeah. I, I, I rode a lot of Polaris, um, when I was in the Midwest, but it was very different riding. You know, it was just kind of ditch riding, you know, you're just going from point A to point B, which is, which is fun, but, uh, moving to the mountains and experiencing mountain riding um, was a completely different type of riding than I'd ever experienced before. And um, obviously, Sheridan Power Sports is a proud um, partner of Skidoo. And so we sell their product. And so I was on a on a Skidoo, not a turbo. They wouldn't give me, they wouldn't let me try to demo <laughs> turbo. Maybe this year I can talk somebody into it. But uh, last year, uh, I was just on the Summit accident. But it was just, it's so fun. And um, I was riding people that had Polaris as well. And it's interesting, there are subtle differences, but the subtleties actually, you can feel them, you know, and, and you just kind of get used to a particular uh, way that the, the sled rides and um, that particular manufacturer, how they invest in the technology. And it's, it's awkward when you're, when you're switching. So obviously I'm a proponent of, of Skidoo, but there's a lot of other really good slides out there. Um, well, I think with with any sport that you do in any equipment, your your body builds muscle memory. You know, I started on Skidoo um, when I was going up to Alaska because that's what all my friends rode up there. So you know, I I think that's one thing that can make the learning curve really difficult. You know, you mentioned earlier having the older sled. Um, that certainly, um, you know, technology and um, engineering has made these machines a lot easier to ride. Um, but also if you're switching to different sleds every single time, I think there's a, um, a, there is a strategy behind that to figure out, you know, if you demo different machines to find out which one you like better at the beginning. But I think that the sooner you pick one, like you'll, you'll be able to ride whatever you choose, but it's all, you know, consistency and seat time. Um, so I think it's just important to be able to own your sled, whatever that sled ends up being. Yeah. And I like your whole three-year philosophy. Obviously, there's a financial component that's wrapped up in that as well. But but I think that, that that that's a good point because you, you know, with every season and with even with every ride, you just get more and more comfortable, especially just given the, the sheer size and the weight of these machines. And if you are riding, if you are doing mountain riding, it's a lot more active than, than the riding that I was used to in the Midwest. And again, there's nothing wrong with that kind of riding. That's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot more social. And, um, I, I've got a lot of uh, friends that have gotten their kids involved in it at a younger age because it's just less, um, you know, when you're just kind of ditch riding, it's easier to get your kids involved versus yeah. when you're mountain riding. Um, but when you are mountain riding and you're having to move that machine, um, it, it does, you do get used to how the machine moves. And so mm -hmm. I, I 
totally agree with you. I never even really thought about it that way, but like making that commitment and that investment for a few years before you take that leap and, and then have that learning curve, you know, all over again. So, um, so tell me about what was your like favorite snowmobiling experience that you ever had? I'm sure you've had a lot of them, but like, what is your like, like just number one top favorite experience that you ever had snowmobiling? I realize you just made it really clear to give you one, but I'm going to have to give you two. (laughs) (laughs) The first one. So I went to Alaska uh, four seasons in a row to go up to Thompson Pass and and kind of stay up there for anywhere from, you know, a week to two weeks doing backcountry. Um, And, you know, obviously every year was amazing. And just being in those mountains is really special. Very different snowpack, very different terrain. Um, but, uh, the last year that I went up there, um, my group of friends up there set up, we had kind of our own little base camp. We called it boss camp. Um, boss camp. <laughs> um but we had like, you know, full platform, um, and canvas tents set up. So like, wow. like a little outfitters village, yeah. um, and yeah, out of Thompson pass and just being out there with the Aurora Borealis overhead and oh, you know, my just being out there with a whole bunch of friends and exploring glaciers. And I think, you know, I, I spoke to this at the beginning, but just what the real benefit is like, yes, it helps me clear my head. Yes. Powder turns are really fun. But I think when you just realize where these machines can take you and that often you end up in places that a hundred, a thousand people might be able to experience in their life when you're in really remote areas, um, it can be just, you know, a very philosophic experience. Um, and so that's something that I, I really, really love about sledding and about the, the mountain sledding community. Um, and then on the other side, um, just last year, uh, you were in Wyoming. We had an incredible snow year. It, never <laughs> it started early and it never stopped. Um, and I just remember a particular weekend um, last year. So where I live, we're so lucky. My husband and I bought our house here in Alpine about seven years ago. And we're sled in, sled out to some of the, the best riding that Star Valley has to offer. Um, and so, you know, that allows me to get a lot of seat time because we can go out for a two hour ride as opposed to having to spend the entire day. Um, but there was a, a week last year in April where it snowed. I want to say it was like a a 48 inch storm. Um, and you know, we went out one day, not really expecting much and it was just, you'd stop your sled and it disappeared. It was there, there was so much (laughs) Um, and just kind of having this moment, you know, the opposite of where these sleds can take you. I was like, I can't believe that I'm doing this like 15 miles from my house. Um, and it was, I think it was the deepest snow I've ever been in on a sled. Um, just well, that late in the season too, like what a gift. Yeah, so, in the spring, like we thought it was over and it was just absurd. Um, so just every time I think about that, it just kind of makes me giggle. <laughs> Well, that makes me wish for more snow or we're crossing our fingers here and hoping that it's going to arrive. I know the farmer's almanac said that we were supposed to get even more snow this year than last year. So um, there's still a lot of winter left. We're still exactly. There's still a lot of winter left. So let's get a little bit more technical for people that are listening that are thinking, gosh, I, I love this. I've been wanting to try this. And this is exactly the inspiration I needed to get going. Um, so what type of terrain do you recommend that riders start on? Obviously my experience was not in the mountains, but I live in the mountains now. So what, what do you recommend for people that are just looking to, to start snow, learning how to snowmobile? So if you've never, ever, ever, ever been on any type of snowmobile, 
I do recommend, you know, you can take a tour. Um, I realize that, you know, for some people that's an unnecessary expense, but like instead of renting it and having to trailer it and like figuring out how to start it and doing all these things, unless you have a group of friends, obviously, you know, the best thing is if you have friends who are offering to take you out. But if you don't have any ins and you're really looking to get into it, go sign up for a tour somewhere because it gives you the opportunity to just get a feel for the machine, learn a little bit from the guide. Um, you know, maybe that guide takes you out to a zone where then in the future, you know, you'll feel more comfortable, you know, renting a sled to get out to. Um, but obviously, you know, learning where those really safe zones are, backcountry riding and mountain riding brings in a whole other element of risk um, that most, uh, you know, other sports don't really bring with them. Um, avalanches are real. Yeah. And, um, you know, snow safety is really important. Um, I think another uh, way to get in before it's even like what terrain do you get into that that whole element of breaking into the community uh, looking for uh, either backcountry uh, focused groups or a snowmobile club a lot of snowmobile clubs you know um, yes they a lot of them have like the hill climb element but they're so family friendly there's mm-hmm. so many families that use that as their opportunity to you know spend time with their kids and spend time with their neighbors um, and that can be a really, really great opportunity to go to if they're doing an AVI awareness night mm. or, even, you know, a fun fundraiser to yeah. show up to one of those early in the season. And you, you know, might be surprised who you meet. And, you know, you may end up meeting, you know, the dad who has like, you know, a teenage son, a wife and a daughter who they like to take out on, you know, the club rides on the weekends. And oh, by the way, we have an extra sled. Would you like to come out with us sometime? Um, so. I think that the snowmobile community, you know, there's a lot of different users in the snowmobile community. And the one that's always promoted on Instagram isn't necessarily, um, you know, the segment of riders that you're going to find in your backyard. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, really fun riders. And I ride with a lot of them. But there's also this whole kind of like less promoted community of snowmobilers um, that really just want to see the community grow. And, you know, they're the ones that are helping pull together the fundraisers to make sure that your favorite access points are staying groomed and that your favorite trailheads are getting all of the parking plowed out um, and helping to keep access open, um, you know, in public land. So, um, yeah, before you even get into that, you know, if, if you don't have an in yet, start looking for those communities because if you're near a mountain town or if you're pretty much anywhere in the northern U.S., there's one nearby. Yeah, that's a, that's great. I actually did a um, tour when I was in, I went to Jackson solo. I took my dog last year and I um, did a snowmobiling tour and it was just so fun to be on the groomed trails. You know, it's a completely different experience than like, you yeah. know, go out with my friends, you know, or with guests or clients, or whatever here in town. Um, and it, and it was just a completely different experience. And I was like, why don't I do this more often? Like, I, I, I love this. Like, it's just, you know, you know, your, your, your trails are groomed, but they gave us some open spaces to play in a little bit. And we were with riders of all different experience levels. And the, the snowmobile was a lot more sturdy because it's not, you know, it's designed for, for touring, not for necessarily mountain riding. So, um, I think that's, I think those are fantastic options. Um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about like, getting access to snowmobiles if you don't have them and, and getting into clubs or groups and, and having, you know, potentially getting access to other people's. What about like renting? Do you promote renting before you buy? Obviously you had experience prior to buying sledding so or snowmobiling. So what what do you recommend for people who are like, gosh, I, you know, I've never even been on one. I want to just try to see if I even like it. 
Um, and I don't know necessarily anybody that does it, or I'm intimidated by people that do do it. What other options do they have? Should they check out renting? Yeah, absolutely. With renting and to, to kind of, um, uh, piggyback onto the idea of tours. There are a lot of places that do mountain tours. Um, so, you know, that's a great opportunity to take out actual mountain sleds. It doesn't have to be a trail tour. Um, but you know, I know like sled Wyoming and Sheridan, um, you know, obviously they're, um, BRP, so they're skidoo. Um, but maybe you go somewhere else and take a tour with somebody that has Polaris. Cause I think it does make a difference. I don't think you need to try every sled and most people probably don't have the money to demo every sled, but at least to, you know, get a feel of, you know, what's the difference between these, you know, kind of two leading brands. And is there one that feels more comfortable to me? Um, so you don't always have to go out with a tour, but if you're new enough, you know, unless you have people to go with renting and going out by yourself, I wouldn't, or, you know, just with another person, I wouldn't really advise it. Um, just because you don't know enough about the machinery. Yeah. Um, in case something were to happen. Um, I think that, you know, the other opportunity is yes, there are clinics um, and beginner clinics that often include uh, include the sled rental. Um, some of those are more expensive than others, um, but again, you know, I think that you know, starting with snowmobile clubs um, and and just getting to meet those people, sometimes you'll learn about opportunities that they might have through a local dealership. Maybe they give club members a special deal, um, you know, and so I, I think it's worth just getting to know. Um, your local community first, and that'll help you a long way in in getting to that next step of of getting out with your equipment. Yeah, totally. We we get two demo sleds <clears throat> every year. We could take probably more on if we wanted to, but um, and we use them exactly how you described, right? If there's a customer that's interested in buying a particular sled, we'll take them out on the demo. But also, if there's people that are just like, I want to get into this, I want to learn how to do it. Yeah, um, you know, we'll we'll take them out and and you know spend an afternoon with them and helping them to feel more comfortable on the slide. So my next question is, do you recommend women listeners try to find other women as they're learning this sport in particular? Or, you know, do you think that that doesn't matter as much? Obviously, it is a male dominated sport, and it's going to be more challenging to find women. But what are, what are your thoughts on that? I think there's something very special and irreplaceable about having an experience going out with a group of women. But to your point, I know that that's not always possible. Um, you know, I, I did get my first experiences on a sled with another woman woman in the group. Um, and that was special. But when I came back to Jackson, I didn't know any women here who rode. Um, really? When you really? Oh, I bought my sled and I knew a couple guys that had taken us out to basically get ski runs. And, you know, I was like, well, if they were patient enough to take us out and they wanted to ride in between dropping us off so that we could come down on our snowboard, maybe yeah. they would be patient enough to let me, you know, tag along on a sled. Um, and so. I think what it really comes down to is just that group dynamic, you know, whether or not you're out with women or learning from women, I think that just having the expectation of, you know, uh, making sure that expectations are really clear um, and, you know, knowing that if you're a beginner rider, somebody needs to be patient and just having you tag along with the group, um, you know, in the back is not going to be, um, <laughs> is not going to be productive. Um, so having somebody who, you know, is happy to actually take you out and and kind of be that mentor, um, you know, again, uh, watching my friend Jamie ride, um, she had also kind of started. So she wasn't necessarily the the best rider when I first went out there. Um, but, you know, every time I went out, not only did I see her progressing, but I saw how patient and supportive the guys that she rode with were. And yeah. that gave me confidence to be like, okay, I can find some people to ride with. I do think learning from a spouse is uh, <laughs> yes, 
and I both started riding about the same time. So we were able to learn together, uh, which balanced out that that power dynamic. Um, but I will give a pro tip, you know, for any guys that are trying to get your wife or girlfriend into it. If you do have an extra sled, you take the crappy one and you, because you doing, you know, loop-de-loops and bow ties around them while they struggle to get it right is probably going to make it the worst day possible. And they're never going to want to do it again. So yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, totally fantastic advice. So let's talk about gear because obviously you can have access to the sled, but you have to make sure that you're protected and you are a gear expert. So <laughs> what are what are the things that us newer riders what do we need to have? What do we need to invest in? What can we borrow? Talk about gear. Yeah. So uh, to start with, the most important things that you absolutely should buy first, um, a helmet. Okay. Um, with that helmet, like don't ever buy used. Um, you can buy cheap ones. You know, there's you can always find stuff on clearance. Um, I also highly recommend getting goggles that are by the same manufacturer because that means that they're designed to fit securely without any holes. So you're not going to get like that ice cream headache or have snow or anything coming through. So if you get a 2B helmet, get 2B goggles. 509, get 509. Um, that's just going to make your life easier. They're not that expensive, but don't try to use your ski goggles because you're going to be very disappointed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that you said that because that totally happened to me and I didn't realize. I was like, why is this not working? What's yeah, that? it doesn't have the nose piece. So your nose is going to be cold. You're going to have cold here. So yeah, helmet and goggles, buy those as a set. Um, the second thing you're going to want, so for boots, I've seen people come out in Sorrells or muck boots that works for trail riding. It does not work for mountain riding. Um, if you're a snowboarder and you want to use your snowboard boots, use old ones. I will tell you right now, if you wear your brand new snowboard boots, it's going to destroy them. The running boards are designed to like hold your tread on and they will just absolutely destroy your boots. So if you have an old pair, that's one thing. Otherwise, buy a pair of insulated snowmobile boots. Again, you can find them on clearance. You can find old ones. Um, but yeah, boots, helmet and goggles, um, and then uh, knee pads. Uh, some of the women's mono suits, they'll come with like a thin little knee pad built into it. That doesn't do anything. You're going to have bruised knees every time. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable. You can use your biking knee pads. Um, you can buy cheap ones from Walmart from the kids section. It doesn't matter but have something on your knees. Um, and then, you know, this is a whole other conversation, but, you know, if you're just starting out, um, hopefully you are staying out of any avalanche prone zones. Um, but if you are going with individuals who are taking you into areas that could potentially have avalanche consequences, then, you know, the once you buy your helmet and your goggles and your boots, the other thing that you need to get is your beacon, your shovel and your probe, and you need to know how to use it. And you need to go out and practice with your partners. Um, you know, whether or not you take a formalized avalanche level one right off the bat, which I understand is asking a lot of a new rider, um, but making sure that you know what your equipment does, where you need to have it on your body, how to turn it on, how to use it, and that you've practiced with your riding partners. Um, but no, like even if you're not in avalanche country and you get, you know, you go next to a tree and you get, and you get stuck in deep snow, like you're, you're in, I mean, it's a, it's an experience, like you're covered, you're in it, you got to, Make sure that you've got warm layers on, that you're protected, your outer gear is protected. I I love monosuits. Um, I struggle with um, snow pants and I, I like bibs too, but the monosuit for me just feels like the best protection um, that I can get. I know it's not for everybody, uh, but I think, yeah, to your point, like even if you're not 
you know, in avalanche country, you could still get into some deep snow and you got to get yourself out of it. And it's going to be cold and it's going to be wet and you need to make sure that you are protected. Yeah. Um, you know, on top of all those protective layers that I mentioned and the safety equipment, um, you know, not wearing cotton is just a very easy guideline. Um, cotton absorbs moisture. It'll make you cold. Um, so just making sure that you're wearing synthetic fabrics underneath, um, layering, just like you do when you go on like a big hike or anything that's aerobic, because you will be freezing at the beginning of the trail and you will be dying of sweat halfway through when you get your sled stuck and you have to get it out. Um, and, um, another thing, uh, that I think a lot of people don't think about is overdressing. Um, people uh, sometimes early on in their uh, backcountry, or I should say early on in their mountain riding experience, have a lot of issues with fogging up their goggles. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, ah, oh, like what goggles don't fog up? It's not your goggles. It's that you're wearing too much or you have your breath box on your helmet and it's causing all of your goggles. Or you're wearing a balaclava and three layers. You're so hot that that heat is coming up and it's going into your goggles. So, um, you know, dressing, I I really don't wear very much. I wear a thin thin wool layer, and then I have a very thin um, puffy that I wear. And I sometimes end up taking that off. Um, But I'm cold when I'm going into the mountains, but it's because I know that I'm going to heat up very quickly. Yeah, uh, and then to your point, I love my mono suit. It's so comfortable. Um, for women, you know, everyone says what brand. If you're buying a, a mono suit that is designed specifically for mountain snowmobiling, I, I really do believe that you know, for the amount of riding a new rider will be doing, any of those are going to you know keep you you know dry. Maybe if you're in the Pacific Northwest, you might want to look into getting one that's like super waterproof. I ride for TV and they have extremely waterproof, amazing um, materials. But for women, I think if you're going to splurge on a mono suit, um, the two things I would say to look for, one is um, to have a drop seat. Um, it just makes going, that, that means that there's a zipper around your hips and it allows you to um, go to the bathroom without having to take off all of your gear. The whole thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, Try a bunch on, buy the one that is the most comfortable and fits you the best. Um, yes. You know, uh, if Tubi is listening, I'm sorry. I know that's not what you want to hear. And I do love Tubi. And I think that, you know, if somebody's looking for, you know, the driest, best backcountry gear, I think they're it. But I think that for most women starting out, the suit that fits you and is most comfortable and the one that you're going to wear, um, that's the best suit for you. Um, because I know that certain brands of women's suits, I put my arms up. I, I'm very tall and I have very long extremities. And there are some women's suits where I can't, once I, once I lock the bottom of my cuff into my boots, it feels like it's going to rip when I sit down because the inseam isn't long enough. And it comes up here when I put my arms over my head. Um, And women come in all shapes and sizes. And so do the women's suits, you know, they're not all built the same. So I think that trying a bunch on the one that allows you to move that has that isn't skin tight because that's also going to make you cold when you don't have that space kind of like insulating air. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to be the best mono suit for you. Yeah. I love the idea of trying them on. I am petite and curvy. So I have challenges with the length, but also when I, you know, I can be standing up and have something on what, and this is what my problem is with snow pants. Like I, I can put them on and I'm standing up and I'm like, Oh, okay, this feels okay. And then I the minute I try to bend down or like, pick something up. It's, it, I, I can't, I, my mobility is limited based on how the, you know, how the, the garment fits me. So uh, definitely with the monosuits. And I think that they are, 
even in the few years that I've been in the power sports industry, I've seen an evolution in women's gear. Like it seems like um, we just in the past, you know, handful of years that women's gear is really becoming more and more prominent. So it used to be that you only had a couple of options and they were all like hot pink. And now there's, you know, there's a lot more for us to try on. So don't be afraid to your point of, you know, getting in there is probably not something that you want to buy online, like go into a store, try it on, make sure that it, that it you know feels good for you because there's nothing worse than being doing a sport and having your gear not fit you right. Or like you said, having it be fogged up. And I, I'd never heard of buying um, helmet and goggles from the same brand. And that's like such an aha moment for me because we obviously sell a lot of different brands in our store. And um, I see people just kind of grabbing what they think looks cool. And it never occurred to me to say, hey, you should probably buy the same brand so that the fit, you know, aligns and you don't get the fogginess and and all the stuff that you get if it, if the fit isn't there. So that's... Yeah. You don't have to have a matching kit, but when you consider the fact that hundreds of thousands of dollars have been spent on R&D and engineering, yeah. sometimes it makes sense just to buy things that were designed to go together. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally, totally. So a couple of just final questions for you, Tana. So, okay. So the people that are listening, they're like, man, I really want to do this. I've been wanting to do it. My husband's been asking me to do it or my boyfriend, my brother, my dad or whatever, my friends. And I really want to do it, but I'm still just feeling intimidated, right? Like I see their pictures and I see where they go. And I just, what if I get out there and I am too scared? Or what if I can't keep up with their pace? Or what if I fall off my slat? Or what if I get buried? And like, what if I, how do I even know how to turn it on? Like, what advice would you give to these women that are listening that really want to try this, but are just still feeling a bit too intimidated to just get over the hump? I feel a little bit repetitive, but like with everything else in life, it's all about who you know and the people around you. You know, whether you're a beginner or whether you're at the expert level where you're going into, you know, 100 mile uh, runs into, into really big mountain ranges, the number one most important thing when you're at, you know, the top of your game and you're, you know, Chris Brandt um, is still who's around you because when they get in tricky situations, they need to know that they can rely on their group um, and that they feel supported. And I think that that's true for anyone at any ability. So, you know, if you're still, uh, if you really want to get into this and you just don't know where to start, um, I would start by looking locally, uh, you know, look at the local um, dealerships um, and any local snowmobile clubs. If there's a local dealership, walk in and look at the first woman in uniform. Or oh, <laughs> <laughs> ask the person behind the desk, do any women work here? Yes. Um, hopefully there is someone there. Um, look for people on, you know, social media reach out to those individuals um, that you follow or, or someone that you look up to or someone who inspires you and nine times out of 10. You know, I think women really want to see more women in this industry. Um, and I know that whenever anyone reaches out to me, I'm always very happy to share resources and, and tell them where to go or um, offer advice when I can. Um, and then look at your local, you know, snowmobile clubs. Um, and uh, also, I would also look at... Um, any uh, women-specific kind of uh, backcountry uh, education. It doesn't have to be sled-specific, right. but I find that, you know, if there's a, a women's, um, you know, AVI awareness course or class or something like that, it might be a lot of skiers and snowboarders, but it would surprise me if there weren't one or two women at that event who have the same interest level as you and maybe want to tag team getting into the sport together um, or, or know someone or getting into it and are willing to kind of take you under their wing. 
Um, but for mountain riding, if if you really want to commit to mountain riding, I think the best thing that you can do is start to build the community and and use um, backcountry awareness and backcountry safety um, as a gateway uh, to to meet more people because those are going to be the people that you need um, around you when you start getting more into the sport and as you progress. I love I love that. So uh, one of my previous guests, Chrissy Loff, she's the director of our ski patrol of Antelope Butte, our local mountain here. And uh, she was just in the store yesterday because their organization purchased a, a snowmobile from us. And um, she, we had this conversation about how she was like super excited to have it because they need it as a resource. But also she's like, I don't, can you come up and give me in some instruction on how to ride? And I was like, I'm not the person to come give you instruction, but I know somebody at our store that can, and I'm going to come with so that we can learn together. And as you were talking, it, it just like occurred to me like, yeah, there's so many women that I think have experience in other areas outdoors and would love to start this with another woman. They just don't know, you know? So like, I'm even thinking of like my friend, Christy Loff, like, Hey, Christy, what about if, you know, she's, she's an accomplished ski patroller. She's an accomplished skier. Like, what about if we learn this to snowmobile together? Like she yeah. has an experience backcountry and an experience that I don't have. We're both learning on the machine, you know? So I think that that's, that's fantastic advice that, that yeah. you don't necessarily have to know somebody who even knows how to sled. If you know someone who enjoys the outdoors and, and maybe has some experience with, you know, backcountry, they might want to get into it as well. So yeah. it, and just making sure that you keep everything, you know, squarely within your comfort zone and, you know, within your ability levels, um, because you can progress together, but yeah, just making sure that you give yourself, you know, like anything you want to give yourself small milestones and small achievements, um, and before we uh, wrap that one up, I'll, I'll just plug quickly Illa. Yeah, you know, the whole point there, you know, it's it's hard to find people. It, it always bugged me that there were so many women that do all of these sports, but I couldn't bring them to mind. Or you just like, it, it's not like if you're into CrossFit, you go to the gym and you're going to find CrossFit people. Like other than waiting around at the trailhead, like how do you meet <laughs> other women that do these things? Yes. Um, and so, you know, with Illa, um, I, I've seen it, I saw it over the summer where, you know, there was a group of women that met on Illa, somebody reached out and basically said, I just bought a dirt bike, I don't know what I'm doing, does anybody want to go out with me? And they ended up meeting up every Sunday at the local mini track and like progressing with each other over, over the course of the summer. Um, and so, you know, if you want to sign up for Illa and you find someone in your area, it's Illa is all about starting conversations. So my dream is that it'll help, you know, uh, new uh, new riders find mentors and, um, you know, mentors find, you know, other riding partners. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's it also is really fly fishing. You have fly fishing on there. You have camping on there. You've got surfing on there. I mean, it's not just power sports related just to make sure that our listeners know that, because like I said, when I went on and signed up, I, I mean, I would love to find other women fly fishermen. I, that's a, that's a, one of my passions. I love it a lot. I'm still learning. Um, and I'm, I'm learning with my fiance because so kind of similar to you and your husband, like we're learning <laughs> together. He's actually an accomplished fisherman, but not fly fisherman. So we're kind of yeah. learning that aspect together, but, but yeah, I would love to have other women that I can learn to fly fish with. And I saw surfing on there. I saw walking on there and camping and just, you know, there was just a tons of activity. So it's, it's, you know, if, if power sports aren't your thing, but you still want to connect with women in the outdoors, definitely check out Illa. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting some women on it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tana. This has been super helpful. Um, I'm going to, I don't know that I'm going to see you when you're out here at the Bighorns, but actually I thought it was in February. So now that it's in January, 
I might try to see if I can make that make that work because I was going to be out of town when I originally thought it was. Um, but regardless, hopefully one day our crowds will pass and uh, pass in person and we can do some fun stuff together. I also would like to learn how to dirt bike ride. So if you can connect me to those gals too. That would be great. Absolutely. I, I know there's some on your side of the state. So yeah, we'll have right. to make it happen. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, if you haven't checked out Ilya, definitely check it out ILLA.com, correct? Or you can get it on. Um, it's going to be coming to our to the app store soon, right? Yes. Yeah. It's it's Illa Women, I-L-L-A women.com. Um, and from there, you can create a profile. So um, yeah. And, and hopefully it'll be in the app store within the next few weeks. All right. And do your snow dance because we need some snow up here too. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.